You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Look at this, Andy. I have your your things then. That's awesome. <laughs> they uh, we've had those since the uh, I think the eighties, Chris. <laughs> I, you know what? To be honest with you, I have, I have something that this too. You know these little things. Yeah. These things. Oh, the headphones. I can't quite hook them up. We should really give uh, Chris a script, Nick. We... He, he should be with me right now, but he, he was too scared of the cold. Where I'm in the, the neighbor's uh, uh, little area outside. We don't have Wi-Fi in the place to stay in. I said I'm going with comfort, and I'm going to order some breakfast while the hell I'm at it, too. <laughs> Where are you then, Chris? I'm at Wildberries in uh, Gilbert, Arizona. Oh, how about you, Nick? Yeah. What's up, Andy? Where are you at today? So we're staying at, uh, what, the, the grandparents' um, little trailer park they got here, and uh, it's like an older person retirement area. And that's where I'm sitting at right now. But um, oh, so you're in Arizona. To... Yeah, Arizona. Oh well, welcome back to the states, my friend. Yeah, it was uh, it was a rough, rough get back for sure. But um, now I feel a little healthier, and and uh, it's it's interesting. It's it's been a year, so. Yeah, actually, Any, anything different first... down there, boys? He drove a car. He drove a car for the first time in about a year or two, so. I, I refuse to go with. But uh, we did a cool thing. So we're in Vegas, and then on the way down to Arizona, we went to the Hoover Dam. And that's kind of yeah. a little theme of the, the episode because we learned a lot about the history and whatnot. So let's play these videos first and, and get yeah. right into it. Uh, I'll tell you, Andy, have you been there? Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. But I'll tell you what I was really surprised about, and I think we're going to get into it, but was how much the water has gone down. Yeah, which is quite scary. And because that. Well, you know what? That, uh, the, the whole purpose, I think, I remember I, I toured that place about 25 years ago when they used to let you actually tour the actual inside of the dam and we could see the big, you know, um, energy uh, generators and whatever else and how, how much that dam actually produces. And then, you know, some of the stats about water and how the water wars out there and how that feeds like Vegas and LA and all these, these places that people shouldn't live because there's no water, natural water. And then they they're populated 
So they basically are stealing water from Colorado to get, you know, the Colorado River comes down, the snow melt hits, captures all the water, and then they have water for everybody that, you know, on paper shouldn't really, you know, have it. Now, they, uh, there's a whole argument to that, but there was, that was a brutal battle back in the day. There's a, there's a real estate market that exists because of that Colorado River, actually quite a few of them. And uh, I think what the sign said was 40 million people uh, receive water from the Colorado River. Well, it doesn't look like for very much longer. So those all those cities, we better get for sale signs up. Well, I think that's kind of interesting because that's what we were, uh, Dick and I, when we were there, we were that's what we were talking about. Geez, what if this thing does go out and, you know, it can't supply water to these places? I mean, that's kind of something that you never think about. I mean, that happened on White Bear Lake, if you remember that, uh, way back when, when that started drying out. And uh, people you know, started you losing know, lake shores. Something you don't even think about, but it, the, the snowfall in Colorado dramatically affects the, the, the height of the water in that dam, too. You know, it, it, it's actually fascinating how that, you know, a, a large portion of the country is involved in that project. And it also was like back in the day, I get, I'm going off of my memory, but they, they also built the dam because it used to, flood so bad in the spring and it would literally wipe people out and so then they were like hey you know instead of that just going out in the ocean down by like sand i think even san diego pulls off that water you know so it's it's crazy but you're right a lot of towns are affected by that i thought it was fascinating <clears throat> it was um it was built for uh, 50 million and in today's money it's 650 million but could you imagine a project like that being built for under a billion nowadays i mean it would cost 10 15 and uh, what was just fascinating to me is, you know, in the background here, they died to make the desert bloom and kind of like the, the American spirit and building this, this grand, grandiose uh, structure and, and all the people that died to build it and whatnot. I think it was just really a, a symbol of uh, American um, doerism and just doing the impossible. They, they were even saying uh, 25 years ago that the concrete in that dam was still curing, that there's still heat from the curing of that concrete. That it took so long because there's so much concrete, you know, some crazy stat like there's a you could build a sidewalk six feet wide and go around the whole world or whatever or, or a, a sixteen is is how much concrete they actually put into that thing, and it, it was insane. It really was. We don't build things like that anymore, or, or what's the story with that? I don't think they'd let us for power and for water and. The environmental groups are, are way too, you know, I mean, and, and God bless them for, for trying to make it a healthier place, but I'm sure there'd be, you know, if we needed something that major, it was for the good of all the people, it'd probably happen, but um, I don't know what the next steps would be for them. I, I'm just yeah, concerned that if they run out of water, what they're going to, I mean, in some of those cities, my goodness, you're going to be literally recycled water showers and, um, yeah. We had uh, during the football games. We had some little kid on the on the TV that was lecturing us about only watering your grass one time a week because of the because of that that whole thing that was in Vegas and in uh, here in Arizona. And I thought that was kind of interesting, but I mean, when you actually see it firsthand, it is pretty crazy. You know, so so there's a to pull this all back to Minnesota a little bit. Um, talking about White Bear Lake and and like. I'm building houses up in a community up there called Hugo, 
And there's, um, there, again, everyone's concerned about the water um, height, you know, and the water table underground. They started developing new developments where, like the pond behind me here, um, you know, they actually they do rain capture, and then they were holding that water, and then they put a pump into that pond, and and they were requiring everybody to connect to that pond for their irrigation water, so there was zero pressure on the uh, the municipality water system for irrigation of of lawns. Fantastic idea, except they they missed a couple key parts. They, they require everybody because the development wanted this and the city wanted this development to be nicer. This is my anti-city uh, for a second. They make everybody put in sod. They make everybody put in the irrigation systems. So now you've got an investment, let's say of about $11,000, $12,000 with sod and irrigation and everything else. I mean, black dirt, the whole thing. And then they have the power like they did this to say, nope, you got to shut it off now. The water table is getting too low in the pond. And so you're going to have to let your yard go, they say dormant. A lot of people were freaked out because their lawns were too new that they were actually going to burn out. So then you saw people, you know, kind of hot rigging um, irrigation systems out of their houses and, you know, connecting it from that. And now there's legal issues out there. And it's, it's kind of a, it's a funny thing because as much as we all love to have that green grass outside, um, you know, like Florida and some of these other states, maybe they can, you know, come up with a better, you know, uh, system for that. But anyway, kind of an interesting battle we're having out there. Well, it was turf. Turf is the, looks like the, the solution. And every, everyone's got a turf yard that actually looks really good. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay, what's happening? What's happening in the market right now is uh, pretty crazy, actually. Uh, when it comes to uh, inventory, it's getting a little loud in here, by the way. Sorry about that, but um, it gives a little intrigue on, on the podcast. But talking about homes selling off market, uh, and what that means is that there's opportunities that Andy and I are talking to sellers. Okay, and. All of a sudden, we find out they want to sell, and maybe you have other clients that are looking for the same thing, and so and and starting to talk to other agents and creating all these off-market deals. And what we're seeing now is a lot more off-market deals. I mean, not more than on-market deals, but there's a lot of them that are happening. Um, I actually did four of them in December uh, that don't even show up, but they were all all off-market stuff, and uh, I just think it's kind of really interesting because we're trying to figure out all these different ways in which to be able to get our clients into something. And, uh, you know, we didn't used to do it. There was a time when there was some off-market stuff that was happening, but um, not as, I, I just, it's just a lot more prevalent now talking to agents. How about you, Andrew? You, if you take a look at the, the some of the major advertisers on TV right now, open door on the radio, that that's all you know circumventing the the organic system and you know they make you an offer and then they have a bunch of people waiting for houses uh you've got this guy that's doing that you've got zillow contributing to that not anymore they've they've kind of cut back a little bit but um a lot of these you know make me an offer kind of companies are are buying these houses in in cash condition 
and then they're not making them available to the market. And and you know what? Hey, God bless them. It's not required. It's not like there's a law saying that you have to bring your house to market and let everybody have access to it. If if you are in a position of where you feel coming it to a limited audience or having a um, you know, a smaller group of people looking at your property, that that's your choice. I mean, th this is America still from what I've been told, and you can do whatever you want. You can sell it at a loss if you want to. Um, we do we do have some new rules that we have to uh, abide by with our MLS system, but um, it, it's one of those things that you're muted, buddy. You to, oh, and what the what the system says. Sorry about that. You have to kind of play with what the system uh, is that allows you in which to be able to do it, but. Um, you still are able to, like Andy said, I mean, it is America and we are, you are free to do what you want to do. But I think the biggest thing is, is the whole disclosure part of it. This is an interesting, it. you know, when you look at the stats here and you look at Chris, I think you guys can see this, you know, 18.5% uh, were down on new lists and closed listings are only down 3.9%. This is the metro area. Median price, higher, higher prices are selling. And you, you take a look at that. And that is the, the math that we're talking about, guys, where, you know, it's showing that there's less inventory, but fewer homes are closing. And that gap that's there is what we're talking about. So there's, there is um, absolutely um, some of these properties that are slipping through the system. And you know what? Here's the thing. You, you can do that, um, you know, if it's a good fit for you. I help families all the time where if we already have a buyer, a cousin, an aunt, or whatever wants to buy that house. But I'll tell you what, Chris, um, and, and well, and Nick, too. The, what I always see is they, well, we're going to sell it to them for 300 And I'm like, it's worth 375 guys. Why are you giving that kid 75000 of equity when the other grandkids aren't getting that, you know? And so all of a sudden they go, well, it's not worth that. And I go, you don't know unless I get to take it to the marketplace. And that person is, you got old pricing in your head. I'm out there every day on the front lines of pricing. And I'm telling you, I can get 375 and you're just going to give it away for 300 to save the commissions. Hate to tell you this, but the commissions are about what, twelve grand? I mean, so you're giving away a ton of money. Yeah, and ultimately, typically, most of the time, in every other way you want to say it, the best thing to do is to go live on the market and to be able to get everyone involved versus onesies, twosies. But I think what people are also doing is when they're marketing these things, they're not marketing them at, hey, this is what we'd go on the market at. Mm -hmm. They would say if it's six hundred thousand, they would say, you know what, we want to go six twenty-five. You want to pay me six twenty-five? I'll sell it off market. Otherwise, I'll go on. But there's a lot of reasons that sellers um, prefer not to even go on the market sometimes, mm -hmm. and just want to get what they want, and that and that's ultimately their choice and what they want to be able to do. And uh, it's our job to give them the information, but they have to dissect that and then do what they got to do. I was gonna say though, man, I tell you. What it costs you to not have to vacuum the carpets, um, you know, or shampoo the carpets, maybe put some fresh paint on that house. Um, you're basically paying somebody about $5,000 an hour um, for them to have that convenience. And I just, I don't think most of us can afford that kind of, uh, you know, luxury. And and I, I tell you what, I'm not, I'm not against convenience. It's just remember, again, remember my old analogy of, you can go to, you know, the Costco's of the world and or, or the Sam's Clubs and buy a, a case of pop for, let's say, 40 cents a can. You can also go to a hotel and in the lobby buy it for $2. Or you can 
their hotel up in their convenience mini bar up in the room, it's eight dollars. So, so why do you want to pay eight dollars if you can simply ride the elevator downstairs and pay a dollar? You know what I mean? It's or whatever the numbers are. It's just it's one of those things where I guess I'm a little more ambitious than the average person. And and some people, you know, the other thing is if they're if they inherit a house and they're just you know upset, they just don't feel good. You know, they're it's a negative situation, um, and they just want to have it go away. Um, we get that too. But I always say to everybody, let's take a break. Maybe we don't list it today. Let's let's you know talk. Let's look at what it's really worth, and let's get you guys some more money. Bubble boy, protecting yourself after the sale. Andy's analogy. Well, I'll tell you what. When it comes to uh, selling a house, um, yourself. Um, when you disclose things, when in doubt, disclose it out. I, I will, I will tell you a million times over that. That's so important. Um, even if they say, "Oh yeah, yeah, we knew about that," but it's not in writing, and they can come back after you later and say, "Well, we didn't understand what you said." If it's in writing, at least you have a document that shows that you disclosed everything. And, and the biggest mistake most people make is is between when they've uh, gone under contract and and when they close. And and then all of a sudden the, the dishwasher you know bubbles over or whatever. Just disclose it, even if you fixed it and it it's behind you. You still want to spend the time to write it onto the disclosure, make the buyer sign it so they're aware of what happened between now and then. And and you know I think you'll be fine. That's one of the best ways to protect yourself after the sale, or or an as is as well. But a lot of people don't like to sign as is. Yeah, and Andy's right on. D disclosing is everything, and almost look at it like is it something that you would want to know, or you wish maybe that past seller would have told you about that, because those are the things that become a problem. And I'll tell you what's happened in this market is that there's so many people out there buyers wise that have been just taken through the ringer through this whole process where they're losing four five six seven ten times and then finally they're getting something but they're paying way over paying for it and and they feel that they're paying for it and the only way to kind of get back to you is after the fact they you know what i paid this much for it it wasn't that the market dictated that it was just that the seller wanted too much for it and now i'm going to try to get some of that back so disclosing it, it's one thing about selling it. It's another thing about keeping them away. And that's, uh, I think that's a big thing that, I mean, that, that we do is, you know, make sure that we, that we cover that. And, and there's no better time right now than to protect yourself by letting everyone know everything because they, it, it's kind of like you have to kind of take it because there's nothing really out there in which to be able to purchase. So what are you going to do? You know, and, and just, I'm telling you, you don't, you don't want people to come after you because you've lost all your leverage after you've closed on the property. Until you've closed on the property, you can always say, I'm not going to sell it to you, and I'll sell it to the next person. Well, not, but not once that, you sell it. it. Not only that, too, Chris, I'd, I'd even add to that is that if you do actually have to settle where, you know, there's some kind of a, a recourse um, action taken, you know, something happened, they say, the neighbor came over and told us this has been happening. You didn't disclose it and you settle. The biggest thing you can do when you're settling is you say, okay, is there anything else in the house at all at this point that you've discovered now that you've lived there? Um, and, and, and once you settle, you don't just settle on that topic. You settle on the entire home. This, this payment or this whatever 
will resolve any future claims against this property as a result of negligence on the seller's part or whatever the, the terms you want to put. And you put that right into that addendum or amendment um, or contract at that point for settlement. And, and it, so you're done. So you're not, you're not coming back. This is your last chance to come after us. Um, you're waiving all your other rights that are, you know, this supersedes all of our previous language written in this contract. Um, and, and, you know, basically for this amount of dollars we're handing you, we're done. And, and then you move on. And then it, it truly is behind you at that point. Yeah, I'll tell you that, that I was kind of saying on that whole leveraging thing is it's to me it's it's so important to be able to get that out ahead of time because you have all of the cards in your hands when you're a seller right now and so not telling people something because you think that it's going to hurt your your bottom line it's going to hurt you way worse later on because they're going to come after you now i mean if you do want to have an attorney you got attorneys involved you got arbitration or court fees and then you have the, the you know, hey, is is this is this going to happen? And you said another really key thing, Andy, and that's the neighbors. That's usually how all of these things happen. All of a sudden, you start talking to the neighbors and say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it!" I mean, my I got water in my basement. They said, "Oh my gosh, every spring they would have water in their basement," and you what? They never disclosed that, and then now that's a problem. And now now your neighbors get involved, and then who do they stick up for? The old seller that was there because they were best buddies and it just it could become a huge mess it's just not yeah. worth it well and i've had that happen with it i mean this this was a file that was way has been settled and both parties are happy now but there was a situation where we had the split entry where the stairs go into the basement and um they used to have issues with that slab getting frozen outside because it was a slab that was added after the fact and they cut this staircase in themselves and in the spring, it would just, there'd be seepage that would come through underneath the door. And they, they didn't know how to fix it. They didn't know what it was. They just didn't think anything of it. And every spring, they'd lay a couple towels there and, and you know, until the, the um, frost is out of the ground and never disclosed it. And, and all of a sudden, the new buyer says this. We can see the staining here. We just thought it was from people coming in from the garage. It's obviously there's a water issue here. And they go, well, yeah, but that's just the, the spring frost. And that that right there, my friends, uh, opened up a huge can of, uh oh. It's <laughs> so. it's interesting when you say that because maybe a problem to somebody isn't a problem to someone else. It's so it's just like that seller yes. was like, yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah, my seller's but like, come on, that, that happens oh to everybody, gosh. right? And I'm like, uh. but that's yeah, that. Yes. It's our job to try to get it out of people. You don't know, like what, what it is, and I always say, if you first of all, they have to fill out the disclosures themselves. But if yeah. we can go in and, um, you know, say, okay, so you've never had any water issues, or have you had your refrigerator looked at, or you have a uh, a part that keeps, you know, um, I, I had one of those. I had a refrigerator that the ice maker they checked it, had it checked three different times. They didn't think it was a big deal. It was just kind of a repair. But when you, you know, when the buyer calls up to them and says, hey, I've got this ice maker that's not doing it. He goes, oh, yeah, we've been there already three times. You're buying them a new refrigerator at that yeah. time. And so it's uh, you just you, it's best to disclose as much as you can. I always I always like to when I sell houses, 
not put list all the appliances, especially if they're not new. And I put on there, I make them do a separate addendum that says they're buying them for a dollar as is. Um, these are not warrantied. These do not run. They do, and then they're like, well, if they don't run, we want them out of here. And I go, okay. If you you want to you know you want to buy this house, you want us to take this refrigerator that may or may not work out of here. And what happens is it puts people in a different perspective. You know, it's like and because it, it's I mean, if you're talking a million dollar house, I get it. Then it should be operating functional. You know, and if you're worried about it, put it under warranty. I'm talking like an entry-level home where it might be 10 years old, but geez, what does a fridge last nowadays? 15 years, maybe? You know what I mean? Before it needs something major where they say it's too expensive to fix, it's cheaper to replace it. And and I think we're all living that, you know. Yeah, you just, I, I think that it's a good thing. And sometimes getting away with that's hard, uh, which to do, but you're setting the narrative that, you know what we've used them they work now but who knows when they're if they're if they're going to continue working and i think that's the thing and i think courts and arbitrators have looked at that it's what they want to know is that was it working while you were there because how many times andy have you had like all of a sudden after closing three days after the refrigerator goes out well the seller never had an issue ever with it ever and all of a sudden it goes out i mean that's not the seller's problem <laughs> Well, you know, and I, I see a lot of the, um, for, for a quick example, maybe mom and dad have moved out and they haven't been there for six months or a year and they're living in a senior center or whatever now. And then you put their house up for sale and everything worked pristine. And, and mom and dad took better care of anything that you've ever seen before. Everything was meticulously maintained. We've all, we've all sold those houses, right? And then all of a sudden they go and they flush the toilet the first time. And there's water on the floor because the seal dried out because nobody's been flushing the toilets for six months. Or, you know what I mean? Those little things that I consider to be maintenance items, some people blow up on it like, oh, my God, this wasn't disclosed. I'm like, so you early and, and Henry over at the senior center um, that are 87 years old and tell them how they wronged you. <laughs> you know, I, I unfortunately for me, I'm sometimes I'm like, I'm not going to bug him. I'll just pay a plumber 300 bucks to go over there and fix the the you know the ring on the toilet for him or whatever and uh i just because i i don't know i always you know missing my own grandparents being they're all gone now i tell you what i whenever i have an older couple i'm working with i in my head i'm like ah this is my grandma and grandpa i remember just little things the way they say things in the old good old days and uh you know it's hard to it's hard to not want to take care of them you know what i mean I God, have we all done that before where you you know it's not going to happen. But sometimes, you know, especially in this market, you have to lose some to win some. I think buyers have to kind of uh, find out what the market's really like because sometimes they don't. If, if you go to a buyer and it's the first time out and you showed them a house and all of a sudden you tell them, you know, I know it's only I know it's two ninety nine, but we have to go three fifty and we're not going to do an inspection. And you have to put 20% down and then guarantee it with cash and not do an appraisal uh, or do an appraisal waiver. I mean, sometimes they'll shoot you. So sometimes you have to go in at 310 and, you know, three and a half percent FHA and with a 10 day inspection <laughs> and, and they end up losing. Well, you know, and that in, in the uh, in today's market, my gosh. Investors that are still buying houses in Minneapolis and, you know, some of these properties are listing. And they're writing offers for 20% below asking price. And I say, hey, I'll be honest with you. 
I don't even want to go view the house for that because you're not going to get it anyway. Why don't we write the offer, see if the sellers are crazy enough to accept it. Then we'll go inspect it upon inspection or whatever. Because if you're just buying it for the numbers anyway, then who cares? You know, why, why do you need to know? I mean, you're going to be buying it so right that you can replace the carpet and fix the plumbing and, you know, whatever. And so I, I just tell you that we're not, I'll be honest, we're not in that market right now, guys. Where even though, you know, it may feel weird in the economy, but housing is still plugging along. I don't I don't think we're going to see the the 400 go to 600 this year, but I do think 400 will still sell for 410 or 415, um, you know, for a sale price. I think that we're still going to have a lot of pressure on those houses, but what we're running out of is we're running out of that runway where we can have that extra little bit, the extra deposits or the extra cash or the extra whatever because prices are getting to that point of where it takes the gas out of a lot of people's tanks and they don't have that extra anymore. So the market's so competitive that when they used to be offering 400 and they were offering 450, well, now they're 450 offering 500 deposit. They don't have the extra cash. They don't have the wherewithal to guarantee the appraisal gaps because they just ran out of cash. You know what I mean? There's only, that's where the income and the, and the prices as they, they go together up the chart and houses start going up at a higher rate and inflation's whacking us too. So it, it'll be interesting the next couple of years. I think we're still going to have at least one more really good year before we get a flat one but i think too andy i think I what's interesting it. about that is that interest rates have shaped this too because they have gone up and where people are justifying you know more on a payment than a cost and i think now as they go up even though they're still great and amazing but as they go up people are saying well geez now my payments are going to be a, a lot higher now and what it used to be was and it's not just that little piece that you're trying to go up higher. It's the whole thing that's gone up now. Mm -hmm. And so when you when you put all those factors together, that 400 might be 415. That would have been 450 in November. And well, it would Chris, have been the same pain even worse people trying to do it. Now, now home builders, if you, my average, I've been watching across the city now. In the first month of the year, I'm seeing most of home builders have gone up anywhere on their, on their houses. And that's a direct result of supply chain um, adjustments with inflation, labor adjustments. And I, so, I mean, the house that last year was 400, I mean, literally you're going out there this year and they're like 40,000 higher. It's, it's ridiculous. So it's like, and I'm talking like two months, Chris, it's not like I'm waiting two. And the, the base prices of most houses have jumped. So those of you that haven't shopped in a while, get ready for a little shock on the old pricing when you get out there in the spring preview um, that's coming up here. Talking to people is what we do in this industry. So if you're afraid to do that, then you need to come to grips with the fact that this is what you've decided to do. You've decided that you're going to sit there and conversate with people about the, their homes, and this is what's going to dictate your livelihood moving forward. You're just going to have to sit down and, and come to grips. Like This is what your whole life is going to be based around, is talking to people. Like your family, your dreams, your goals, Like you have to get good at this. So just pick up the damn phone and start talking to people. I mean, it's just a reality. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. Like you're just going to have to get comfortable with it. Your profit on a mere $6,000 investment would be upwards of 60 I wonder, I wonder if he was talking to the younger generation, Chris, that likes to text and Snapchat each other instead of actually communicating. I think a lot of them have our time talking and communicating. Yes. I, mean, I talked to some of them. 
you even see it like in restaurants you know the younger kids are just they just can't communicate with you well let me ask you a quick question chris so somebody comes to a website and they request information and they say i would like to receive information on this and within seconds you have the three agents that are assigned to that territory calling you trying to get you that information and you're acting annoyed it's like what did you expect i mean people people that are in this business you know, like I, I had this, actually the reason why I'm saying this because it was, you know, we have a, a referral program that we have with one of these really wonderful companies that they screen us, they make us jump through hoops to become an option for you as a homeowner. And so you call the service and you say, hey, I'm looking for somebody to help me up in this area. And they'll say, here's our top three agents, here's the information, they'll be contacting you soon. And when you call these people, they're like, what do you call me for? <laughs> it's, it's just kind of, it's funny to me. And, and, you know, if you send them a text, they won't respond. So it's like, so we're paid to get a hold of you. And, and so what I started doing, I think a little different approach to it. I say, hey, this is who I am. This is where I'm from. And because you signed up for this information, my job based on that site is to, you know, reach out to you as many times as I can until you respond to me. So if you don't, if you want me to stop, you need to respond to me and then I'll stop. And, you know, and that's kind of a funny thing because I don't think a lot of people realize that there's real humans behind the Internet even though a lot of people don't think there are, or there's real, you know, like if the only way that you're shopping for houses is online, well, guess where Andy Prassy is going to go? I'm going to go online. If everybody's on TikTok buying houses, I'm going to be on TikTok because you got to go where the humans are. Because it, it, right now that's who's buying houses um, is humans. And in the future, maybe that'll change. But right now, you know. I think her. Any inclination that that person on the other end is going to sell their house, I'm going over to their house to introduce myself. Hey, I just talked to you on the phone. This is Sandy. I know you're not thinking about selling. You told me you're going out feet first. I just wanted to give you my information. I wanted you to know everything that I know about real estate. So when you go out feet first, remember we talked about it, your kids will call me. And what's that packet that you, that you give them? So I have a little brochure and it's all about Glenda. And literally, it's my marketing plan, front to back. It talks about my experiences, homes that I've sold, all that kind of good stuff. I'll tell you what, um, uh, marketing is a, uh, it's, it's a comfortability factor, too. I mean, I don't know. I think I, I will talk to those people, but I won't drive to their house and be able to go introduce myself and drop off that pamphlet. But, I mean, a lot of people do that, and it, and it does work. And so... Um, yeah, but that, that's their style, I, right? I mean, you know, that those people also are, are, I call those people fireworks. You know, I'm going to sell 300 houses this year and I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm going to, and all of a sudden they take off and then they crash and all of a sudden they disappear. And it's like weird. You couldn't fly at a thousand miles an hour forever. You and I both have consistently found a balance of how many customers we want per year and what life you know, for distractions takes from us and we balance that out because I'm telling you in, in any, this is me talking to real estate agents. Don't let your business run your life because it, I'll tell you, let, you know, let your life run your business. And, and truly the, if I call you and I know you're going to say, I'm going to drive, not, not trying to make fun of Southern people, but she was had a little draw. Um, the, uh, I, I would, I would literally, if somebody knocked on my door after they talked to me on the phone, I'd be okay. Psychopath back off. Right. I mean, I get it, you know, but I mean, think about that. Think, really put yeah. yourself in your customer's shoes. I'd be like, oh my God, are you too much for me? 
Yeah. And this real estate thing can uh, grab your life. And if you're, if you're doing things like that, there's always something that you can be doing. Um, but I, I remember me, I was, I was that guy and uh, going crazy and running all over the place. And I'll remember, I'll never forget it. The day it happened, it was on Nick's fifth birthday. And I came to the party about an hour and a half late. And my whole family is in real estate or associated with real estate in some way. And um, no one thought it was no big deal. And I thought, I just looked at myself and I'm like, you're the biggest loser in the world. You just missed your kid's birthday party. And, I, and from that day, I said, no more. And I, I put his stuff, I mean, at that time, and that became Morgan, but I put their stuff on my calendar first, and then I worked around it. And people respected it and had, you know, no issue with it. But I think I, I look at this business, too, and if someone would have made me go out and knock on doors and cold call, I would have been out in a week. I wouldn't have done it. I, I wouldn't have been there. You know, you have to kind of find your own niche and what works for you. And, uh, you know, my niche ended up being open houses. And when I did open houses, uh, I, I figured that people were either come to see what their value of their home was to compare this home to theirs or they were looking for a home. And then I could talk to them in person. And then uh, so that's how kind of I got my career going. That's awesome. I <laughs> because I'm bougie. <laughs> Why? Because I'm bougie. <laughs> it's like that. As bougie. Hey, you've done you've done those events. I've done those. Is it events. Your, at your brokerage? <laughs> but we've we've both done those kind of events. I mean, I know you guys do them uh, during the parade of homes all the time, and uh, and I've mm -hmm. done them on on luxury. You're muted, buddy. There you go. Oh, I did You're it muted. again. Um, we, we've done them. I've, I've done them at luxury listings because what you're doing is you're trying to create that lifestyle and open it up. And you know, there's mailing lists that you can you can get people that are in that um, price point, and it's just maybe another way in which them to kind of peek at a house and maybe they know somebody. It's not necessarily that you're trying to find that exact buyer, but the more people that can see it, the more people that can talk about it and possibly get it to someone that maybe they want their their friend that's looking in the area to be able to go in it and just take a peek at it for themselves and they're going to try to talk them into it yeah i can't agree more and i think that you know creating a lifestyle for an example something that you're good at like like an open house you're a good social butterfly so you know people come in and you're hey how you doing oh cool you know what and i like to talk vehicles so People come in, I'm like, oh, dude, check out that cool car you got out there or whatever. I, I love that. And, and you know, creating a relationship with people, I think is the most important thing that people don't realize they need. Everybody, you know, wants to have, um, you know, the perfect hire, let's say, as a real estate agent. But on the other hand, I think there's also, if you have a connection with people, you know, where you as a real estate agent connect with your clients and, and it's genuine, right? So is it at a nice event where you have a glass of wine, you say, hey, go have a glass of wine out on the deck, enjoy the new, you know, beautiful backyard. And and uh, they're talking about their kids or their whatever, and they're relaxing. And then they remember why they're doing this. And then they remember why they're buying that house. And if they can relate that to you as an agent, and you can create that for them, they, they uh, mostly, I shouldn't say always, but there's a better percentage of chance that they would want to work with you than not. Right? So 
Um, and it, you know, you also have to be smart. I mean, you have to have your facts. I mean, to an agent and they didn't know anything or they didn't know anything about the area. They didn't know anything about the options in the house probably wouldn't have the same effect. But if somebody says, Hey, I can bury you guys with data if you want it, it's right here. Um, by the way, sold one up the street for this, the one around the corner, we just put on the market last week. It's over here. It's this. And also, and then they go, okay, now you have credibility. Now the words behind the credibility, what, you know, what, what do you do that's different in this industry? What do you do that makes your property stick out or sell faster? Or why did last year your average property sell for 7% over listing price? You know? Yeah, there, there is so much to that. And I think a lot of people, if you could do those events and those liquor events and those open houses, but if you haven't done the work ahead of time, it's it's probably just a waste of your money. It's just a night for you to kind of buy a bunch of people some drinks because they're mm -hmm. not going to use you. You got to know what the heck you're talking about. The number one reason I get from agents as far as not getting on YouTube is, is they're stuck in their own head. And all I got to say is you have to choose your hard. You know, it's hard working out in the morning, but to me, it's a lot harder being sick. It's hard to own a business, but to me, it's a lot harder having a job. And it's hard to make videos, but to me, it's a lot harder making cold calls every single day. So you have to choose your hard, and that's how you get out of your head. You know what's funny, Chris, is the other day, I had somebody make fun of um, uh, very specific that a good friend of ours is at um, about how everybody makes videos. It's all video, 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 but there's nothing there behind the videos. They have no listings. They have no opportunities. They have nothing to sell people. They're just videos, and they're in their face, and they go, we unsubscribe from those people so fast because the content is fluff, and you need to make substance out of what you're giving people, making it tangible. Like, for example, if you're having a video talking about nothing, well, guess what? You didn't give them anything. There's no value in that conversation. They're not going to follow you. So it's like, what are you giving a value? I mean, you might say, hey, the Metro report here is pretty boring, but I'll tell you what, get deeper, not 16 County, go to their county, go to their city, talk about their situation and give information. And, and maybe that's my age a little bit, you know, being a baby boomer or I mean, uh, whatever, what am I? Uh, uh, not a baby boomer. I'm a, a Gen X. Some Gen, Gen uh, something, yeah. Yeah. 80s, 80s and, and uh, monster trucks, right? Um, Twinkies, 80s and monster trucks and, and parachute pants. Um, but the uh, the idea there is, is all I'm saying is this. Video, to just put out video, is is interesting. Just like putting email, 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 email. Well, guess what? People stop reading your emails or they block you or they put you into a special folder where they until they're ready to listen to you, they don't have to see every day that you're sending them an email. And, and look at your open rates. And that's the other thing I'd suggest is that agents that are doing this, using, uh, there's companies out there, like one of my favorites is Bomb Bomb, um, and they'll send out a video, people click on it, you can see if people are opening it. Because to me, if I'm sending out a video and nobody opens it, why send the video, right? Other than, you know, people say, oh, top of mind awareness. I don't think so. I think that you're annoying people. Get to a point of where bring them value or, or just, you know, send them a business card every 12 months. And say, hey, here, you remember I'm selling business. I want your business. Call me when you're ready. Yeah, and I think I don't know this whole social media phenomenon is. I think it's it's really interesting because I think some people, I mean, like in real estate, are totally doing nothing about real estate, really, and maybe they'll tie it in at the very end, but that they're attracting a whole group of people that 
you know that they, they are uh, able to work with and or or sell or use that to um, create a lot more um, opportunities for themselves. And so I don't know. I think it is. I mean, you and I always talked about that that we we need to create, um, and we always did that with our radio show. It's all about trying to give people the most amount of information and um, be able to help them, you know, with selling their house. And, and some other people are, are just more, you know, um, crazy and dynamic. I mean, it's, it's TikTok. I think that, I think that last one was all about you, Andy, and TikTok. If you're not, it's, it's trying to, you have to do TikTok. Have you, have you done that yet, by the way? No, still no TikTok. I do, I do videos i do a ton of video i just don't i do very intentional video i don't i you know this about me chris and this sounds really weird being from a radio background i don't i honestly don't care to ever be famous i'm not that's not my thing i just want to get the word out so how do i get the word out you know what i mean i i know that's i know you know you know deep down inside you know me i don't need to be on a stage and talking every day i do these things because I'm trying to get my message out to people. I know that it's part of my job. I mean, I'm the kid that when I was a kid, they'd sing me happy birthday. My wife was the kind of kid that would stand on the table and go, me, yeah, me. I'm the kind of guy that would cry under the table going, leave me alone. I don't want your attention, you know? So it's funny. And then now we're the opposite now. What, what about when you were selling candy bars to the rest of the school? The candy man, Andy Prasky? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're welcome, class of 89. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Center. That's what I always do, and they never catch me. Ain't nobody going to catch me. Because you're too streetwise? Yup. Yeah, I wish they would get them caught. <laughs> that whole code of ethics thing is uh, something I think, I mean, we have to, what is it, every three years we have to have that class? And then it's usually a part of um, yearly too. There's, there's some parts of it, but I think that thing should be every year that should be required. And, and people know that thing inside and out because I think it gets, um, let's just say stretched a lot. And it, it needs to uh, kind of be a, almost like a Bible uh, to the realtors. And that's what it should be because we have to be able to, kind of, you got to be able to work together and, but I think the whole social media thing is also something that kind of throws that off as well and gets people, um, you know, I, even the um, guaranteed sale programs, you know, I mean, you gotta, I, I give the guy credit, man. He's, I mean, he's, he's created a market. I mean, I don't know how much he spent in which to be able to do it, but I just hear see, a lot of people of, ripping on him. But part, you know, but part of me said to you, Chris, his fiduciary responsibility He's he has to buy that house at the right price for his representative to get that. So if you truly want to be unrepresented and you want a shark to come into your tank, um, good luck. I mean, because that's what it is. It you know they're they're corporate America. You don't think Zillow's owned by you know billions of dollars of stock market money that rolls into it, and all they're trying to do is make the margin on the margin, and 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 those guys are representing those guys. And so it's like, it's just a big, you want to sell to a big corporation, great. I mean, but don't be shocked when they, you know, like, I think they just pulled back on and canceled another 380 offers in the Twin Cities. Um, yep. They, they, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Buying business canceled all their purchases because they can't make money. 
They were paying full retail for a while trying to get, because nobody would sell in their houses. Because consumers are smart, Chris. People think, oh, everybody's doing this. And they keep running the ads thinking, everybody's doing this, everybody's doing Not everybody's doing this. It's less than like a percent of the people in the Twin Cities take those deals. What it does is books an appointment for a salesperson to sell you something. That's all. I hate to be the guy that's pulling up the, the, the blanket and showing the truth, but I'll tell you what. It's, you know, and Oz is being run by a, by a guy with switches. That, that's Oz, man. I mean, you basically have corporate America trying to make money off the profit of the sale of your house. So if you want to support that, go for it. If you don't, well, then you need to somebody that will represent you and your best interests. God, I just got excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> Woo! That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember those all the time, Andy, when when I would just like, I'd throw a little tidbit at you and it was just like, okay, now I'm just going to sit back and watch. <laughs> you, Chris, you, you know what my buttons are. You're like, poke, and then you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I just, you know what I think is this, is that when, it, when it's a guaranteed offer, um, what I would say to you is this. Guaranteed offers, to the consumers that are watching this, guaranteed offers are so that they can meet you. They're giving you something of value. You want a guarantee, they're offering you a guarantee. But they, what I always ask those guys is, statistically, how many people um, take advantage of your guaranteed offer, number one? Number two, um, how many people have you bought and actually closed on their houses? And the, the numbers are staggeringly low. It's, it's, I don't wanna say the word bait and switch because that, that is a uh, fraudulent term, but let's just say that there's a baby, baby version of that going on where they're giving you what you think you're gonna get and then they give you something else that works instead because this is too extreme or this is too much or this is too big of a discount. So let's just put your house up for and then that's where a lot of those houses aren't hitting the market as well. Where they say we have a steady stream of buyers coming in that want to buy these houses for cash, for investment, for whatever. And those houses aren't even hitting the market. They're keeping them within the brokerage, which is totally legal. You know, they, they can do that. That's that's not illegal to do. But that's where some of that inventory is getting sucked up, you know, in the, you know. Not hitting the market. Nick is. We're, we're going to quickly attack one of these listings. So just pick at it, like how you would come in as a, a negotiation, as a buyer's agent. I'm going to pick a random one right now. So get ready. As, as we just made fun of Zillow. <laughs> as you yeah, did. We, yeah, yeah. we, uh, we can't. <laughs> we we got to get Nick our access to our MLS or something. <laughs> or, or go to real, realtor.com or yeah, something. Realtor.com. There you go. But, okay. So what do we got here? We got a five bedroom, five bath, 2,800 square foot for 900 grand in Minnetonka. Okay. That's on, on Baker Road. So I don't know if that is actually. I don't know if that would even be Minnetonka schools, but um, that would make a big difference. Yeah, it does. It, it makes a it makes a huge difference. Versus Hopkins, right? Yeah. Why don't you show us some pictures, Nick? Updated house, Andy. It looks updated to me. Yeah. Is that the first storm picture? Storm windows. Yeah. Nice floors. Yeah. Cool. Okay. 
That's cool. That's different. What the heck is it? Is that like a uh, master? Oh, wide so open bathroom bedroom combo. Closet, closet bathroom. Right off the main okay. entryway. Oh my god, you gotta be kidding me! Well, it looks like the master's on the main floor then. Oh, you live in your bathroom? I think this might be trying to take advantage oh. of the market. The, 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 the yeah, drop ceiling in your in your kitchen on a, a house of nine hundred thousand. Yeah, maybe a, a in there. Come on. Kitchen. Yeah. With fluorescent lights? Come on. Must be on the lake. This is somebody that watched the Do It Yourself channel and uh try they're trying to flip a house for a million bucks. <laughs> just because you did it doesn't or, mean it's worth it. Or or playing with the playing with the market and just trying to I like it. I like know, the it. There's some there's some cool things, yeah. Yeah. yeah cool for five ninety nine, not a million. I'm looking at all the things like the radiant heat and the low ceilings and the fluorescent lights and some of the things they didn't upgrade. Tuck under a garage looks like there. Yeah, and is that a garage? That's a garage? Yeah, see the garage door. Extra storage downstairs? Yeah. Wow, that's kind of nice. Looks like I wish I could see the front of the house. Well, they haven't showed us that because I'm embarrassed. There you go. Okay, so it looks like I'm a little more land with that extra garage. See the Highline wires? So it's yep. kind of close to the freeway. Oh, multiple buildings. Nice. Yeah. So it's acreage. I wonder if I wonder if on this one that there's it's subdividable. But they went to fixed it all up and tried to get as much. Right. I don't know. That doesn't You wouldn't have seems right? kind of high. Okay, look at, is that back up? Nice uh, the freeway right there. Yeah. Yep. There, there's your answer right there. High line, power lines, but it's a big space. Huh. I didn't look at the acre. What is the acreage on that? Nick, can you see? Yeah, can you go down a little, Nick? Right there. Yeah, it's two acres. There you go. So that's right on the bubble. Do you rip it down and put, you know, four single family lots in there at a half a million apiece? You know? Isn't, but, isn't that interesting? If you go up a little, Nick, yeah, where, where it started at. Um, you know, it must have been destroyed, and so they're just selling for one ninety nine. But if you go up, it looks like it just went off the market in twenty twenty one at seven ninety nine. Right there. So that was. Huh. That's weird. Yeah, hey guys, crazy. attack this bad boy. Attack it. Make it go down to six hundred thousand. All right. Well, first of all, you're back. You're backing up to a freeway. You know, on one point eight acres at a nineteen nineteen house that's got a a very weird master bathroom on the on the main floor. Um, it's Chris, not, don't, uh, don't Chris, don't forget about sitting out on the deck in the evenings and listening to the zapping of the power lines in the freeway, right? The, <laughs> yeah. Cancer sticks. Yeah, that's what you call them. <laughs> um, yeah, you can't go yeah. outside anything metal because you get zapped. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. You're on mute, Chris. 
this is just a, a typical case of, you know, pricing it too high and just trying to get if, if someone's going to grab it because the inventory is so low and uh, you don't know. But I mean, to me, I mean, with that size and that square footage and uh, where it's located, you know, trying to get 900,000, you just can't do it. And I, I don't know if I would be attacking it. I would be just being, hey, this is what it's worth because attacking, attacking one thing and, and trying to make people believe your, um, your point is almost pointless in a way because the only way it's going to sell is if the, if a seller is willing to sell it for a price and the buyer's willing to pay for it. And I think you got to go in as a buyer and just say, Hey, this is what, this is what I think it's worth. And this is what we're going with. Well, when I looked at it, it was listed for three months last fall. What, what do you, what lasted for three months last fall? And listed at seven ninety nine in the fall didn't sell for that price, and now you're going to list at a hundred grand, hundred one thousand dollars higher, um, because what? It didn't work the last time. You're going to be lucky if it new works main, this time at seven ninety nine. A new main floor bathroom, Andy. <laughs> you know, hey Chris, if that does it for you, buddy, I. Uh, there's too many other yeah. things. See. I think the people that want to live in Minnetonka, like you said, they're following the schools probably first, um, you know, and then they start looking at things like convenience to the freeways and ease in and out and space. The The problem is I think everybody can in, in a lot of Minnetonka hear the, the freeway because it's there's big freeway running through it. But the power lines are usually less desirable. And I think that there's also a case of where, you know, I just that older home. I don't know if I would have made that investment in that home unless you can show me. That you pulled it back, you know, pulled the the plaster Paris and the, you know, board, you know, whatever off the walls, and you actually reinsulated the walls and you 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 know re-drywalled and, I mean, because that that's where things get ugly. And then the HVAC system had multiple different styles, and then had drop ceilings in there. It had, I, I would I would honestly, you know, um, maybe have an insurance fire problem. No. I'm just kidding. Hey, let's answer that question for Greg. I think we might. Oh, it blew down. That's too bad. Let's there is a no. There is nothing. You're not required to disclose the internet carrier speed, but I think they should. I have that question nine times out of ten with builders, um, people building new houses. Everybody says, "Hey, in this new neighborhood, what's the internet and what is the speed?" It's a. It's very important nowadays. Very important. Well, you know, we had a real crazy question too, Chris, and you're kind of you've probably sold more pools than I have. Um, this week we had somebody that was buying a house, wrote an offer on a property that had a pool and there was zero disclosure about the pool. Why do they not have a completely separate addendum for pools? Got for the pool, who built it, when it was built, by who, what kind of pump is it? What kind of, you know, I mean, all that stuff that everybody want to know. And I was kind of, I was, they didn't have anybody that, that asked that stuff. Yeah, Hi guys. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Come on forums committee. Uh, yeah, I'm freezing out here in this uh, this this desert winter. Um, make sure to give us a like, write us a review on iTunes. We post three digestible clips uh, weekly on our Facebook page. Shoot us questions. We'll answer them on air. And have uh, a wonderful day. See you guys. Ciao. 
Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.